Welcome to our podcast, A Presence on Your Journey from Community Autism Resources. And I'm pleased to have as our guest today, Patty Menzel. Patty, welcome. Patty, I have specific questions, but can you give us kind of an overview of your background? An overview kind of of myself? Yeah, Yeah, I am an adult autistic woman and I live by myself in my apartment, but I wouldn't say I live independently. I have support from the Arc of Bristol County and they come in a couple times a week and help me to go out into community. I got a late autism diagnosis and I'm very, very grateful for the supports that I have today. You mentioned in your background that you were rocking into the spectrum at midlife. Can you talk about that a little more? Sure. Thank you, Dennis. To me, rocking the spectrum means that I embrace my diagnosis. I embrace my identity and I see it as an identity before I see it as a diagnosis. And I do my best to advocate for myself, for the supports that I might need going into a situation and in choosing the environments that I need. I'm aware of my differences in communication, in sensory processing, and that some of my needs might be different than other people's, but that we all have a lot of things in common. And I'm grateful to have been able to find my tribe. And for me, rocking the spectrum means embracing my autistic identity. You mentioned that your diagnosis didn't come until your adulthood, yet you also talk about having been in both special education and mainstreaming. So let's start with the late diagnosis, as it were, with adulthood. What was that process like? What were some of the characteristics leading up to that? Thank you, Dennis. I knew I was different, and yet I still wanted to be able to try to get a job, and I kept getting fired from jobs. And one of the jobs that I got fired from, I had an accident at work due to wandering or elopement. So that was a pretty serious accident and it almost cost me my life. So I had to kind of rethink things. And I knew that whatever was going on with me, it was putting me in danger from wandering. I did not connect that with autism, but I decided to start volunteering as a way to give back and contribute. And at one of the volunteer events, I got overwhelmed and I started to lose speech And a friend of mine drove me home and she's known me a long time and she's a nurse at the Brigham in Boston. And she said, you know, Patty, I've seen you at these things and you get overwhelmed. Whatever this is, it's a brain thing. You get overwhelmed and you shut down. So she repeated that and she said, this is a brain thing. You get overwhelmed and you shut down. So I Googled those three things. I checked out Dr. Google. I put in brain overwhelm and shut down and what came up but autism 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 so I arranged to get some neuropsych testing at one of the large hospitals in Boston and that's how I got my official diagnosis what was your experience in special education and mainstream education and I wonder if you can kind of go through what were the positives and what were the negative issues that you that's a really neat question I like that (laughs) Well, I think that they started out with me in mainstream as much as possible. And I found that very stimulating and very interesting. That's the positives. And I got to meet all kinds of people. And I had all kinds of experiences that I would not have had in special ed. So that was the good thing. The negative is that it was simply not the right environment for me because there were so many kids. There were at least 15 kids in that classroom. 
So it was sensory overwhelm. It was social overwhelm. And I was always in one stage or another from a shutdown. So I wasn't very present for much of my childhood during the times that I was in mainstream classroom. And it would not have been better to have someone next to me prompting me that would have just added to the overwhelm in that case. So it's funny because all of my school pictures from the mainstream times, I kind of look very spaced out because I really was. I wasn't very present. So the times that I was in special ed, I would say I didn't get as much exposure to interesting things because it's a pretty encapsulated experience to be in special ed. Back then, you're always in the basement. That's kind of how they did that back then. And you're kept away from people and you kind of internalize that and you realize that you're separate. So that was a little challenging. But on the other hand, instead of 15 kids, there was maybe three or four kids. And there wasn't the high mental processing demands that went at a pace I could handle. And without all the sensory and social overwhelm, I was able to pay attention more. I felt much better. And I really thrived in a special ed environment. I'm just curious, if you don't mind, if the diagnosis came late or as an adult, do you mind describing why you were in special ed? Why I what? Why you were in special education? Why I work? I'm having trouble hearing. I'm sorry. Since your autism diagnosis came later yes, in midlife as an adult, right? do you feel comfortable telling us why you were placed in special ed? Oh, oh, yes, because it was clear that I had a lot of explosive behavior as a child, and I still do. I had very fragile reactive neurology, and that kind of showed up with a lot of explosions and throwing things and meltdowns. And I also had what they call a speech delay. In my opinion, it really wasn't a speech delay. It was on time for me, just like we're all on time for ourselves but my speech was a little bit late compared to other people. And I communicated differently and I moved differently. There was a lot of flapping and bouncing and spinning, that kind of thing. And I didn't really understand instructions when they were spoken. I'd have to keep asking people to repeat, unfortunately, kind of like I'm doing now. And it wasn't that I couldn't hear. It was that I actually had central auditory processing disorder, which means that somebody's words kind of come in jumbled and I have to hear what they're saying a couple of times before it really makes sense to me. I put it all together by about the second or third time I hear something. So they thought that was a hearing thing. And I also am legally blind. So I had trouble seeing and there were enough differences that they felt that I needed a quieter environment. You speak about, I'm going to have trouble saying this word, but it's in enigmatic, I guess the different spectrums of autism and you talk about paradigms. I wonder if we can break that down a little. What are these enigmatic differences or spectrums? Okay, so when I talk about enigmatic behaviors, I'm referring to behaviors that don't have a lot of input in the literature from us, from autistic people. Examples might be self-injurious behaviors when we might bite ourselves, might hit ourselves, trying to get that proprioceptive input. There's not a lot of not a lot of representation of autistic people explaining what's going on. There's more now, but things like elopement and wandering, the so-called escape behaviors, which that's part of my behavioral profile. And I've done that since I was little. There's not a whole lot of us talking about that. So I think it's more viewed externally. There's really not a whole lot of representation where we're talking about 
what it is that feels like to do that. What does it feel like when that happens to us and what leads up to that happening and what could help that happen less often? I think that they're viewed as enigmatic because people don't have insights into it if they don't do that themselves. You talk about paradigms. For those of us who are lay listeners to this podcast, first of all, before we go into what the paradigm is now and how you see a more positive paradigm. Sure. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I think right now the focus in the autism industry is very much pushing for skills. And I think it's coming from the best intention and skills are important for everybody. But we have a lifetime to learn skills, just like everybody else. And I think there's still a lot of quiet hands out there trying to get us to fit in and trying to get our behavior to match those of our typical peers, neurotypical peers. And I think a lot of it is to get that indistinguishability from peers. Still, there's a lot of pressure there for educators and for parents. They want their child to fit in. And I think they're just trying to protect us. And that's coming from a good place. But I think another paradigm that needs to switch around is instead of applying things externally to us just so that we can hurry up and get skills and try to get us to fit in and catch up, I think it's more to view autism not behaviorally as much as it is experiential. Autism is an experiential condition. And the most important thing we can have is representation. That is the highest form of inclusion where you have autistic people giving voice to what it's like for us in certain situations. And I think we're seeing that change, that paradigm shift is happening where we have more autistic people in the industry giving voice to things, whether they can speak or type or use PEX cards, we all communicate whether we speak or not. And I think the tide is turning more where at some point it will be that Hopefully there won't be another agency, there won't be another support group, there won't be another piece of equipment, anything developed without our input so that we can guide things to what works best for us. And each of us are different on the spectrum. No two of us are alike, but having our input, nothing about us without us will make a better agency, a better group, a better social skills class if one is needed, a better piece of equipment. Everything is better when you seek out autistic lived experience so that you can refine, so that you can make things so that it's the best experience for the person. You do a lot of professional development, and I think you mentioned that you've developed PowerPoints for presentations. Can you kind of go into a little bit of that for us? Yeah, I enjoy that very much. It is an opportunity to give back and a chance to see and meet with the people that want to support us. My goal and my intention is to support those who support us because they're coming from such a good place and they're doing so much right. And I think if I can just support them, that would be a very good thing. And I have a couple of PowerPoint presentations out there. Some of them are a little more clinical, but I try to put as much humor in as possible because I think that this is a topic that can use a little lightening up. And I really enjoy the chance to present and I'm very honored and privileged for the opportunity. You've spoken at the State House in Boston on the needs of the autism community. And what is, I don't know if I did this correctly, but it's called the TDX Talk at University of Rhode Island, URI. Can you go into that? 
Yeah, I was very grateful to be able to speak at the State House a few times. That was for the YMCA. Just basically saying how much I appreciate the Y and talked about how OT has helped me and the physical activity that I do at the Y. That's my form of OT or one of them. And I'm able to self-regulate better with enough swimming and swinging on swing sets and things like that. So that's what I kind of talked about is making OT and physical activity more accessible for people on the spectrum. And the TED talk, that's actually was supposed to be a TEDx talk. I might have typed it wrong. So that's a TED talk. And I'm not sure what the X means. And I did type the X, but I think it might mean that it comes out of a, a university. Okay. And this TED talk or this TEDx talk actually came out of URI. And I was very honored and grateful to be included in it. The TED Talk was actually done by Dr. Amy Laurent. And she's amazing. She's a fantastic OT. And she invited several autistic people, myself included. And we were able to give our input into things, into this TED Talk. And it's really about supporting people on the autism spectrum without having a goal being compliance. It was a really excellent TED Talk, and I was really happy to be involved in that. I guess you do some classroom observations and make recommendations. Can you go into that? I'm sorry? Some classroom observations. I, I think you mentioned in your background some classroom yeah. observations, and you make recommendations. Yes, I work with a collaborative sometimes, and occasionally they will ask me to do a classroom observation and that's kind of interesting. I've got to give the student in question lots of space and just kind of observe and give my input on what I think is happening for that child in that setting and what I feel could be better so that that child can thrive. The child that I saw, it just so happened, the child I was able to observe last time, he had a one-on-one -on -one with him, and that was a good thing. And he had OT time in an OT space, which was a really good thing. And it was neat to see things like that. It was neat to see the positives and to also mention some things I felt they could do better so that he could have a better experience and absorb more and be more receptive. I was interested in some of your hobbies, some of your pleasures, you call them Tai Chi. For those, people, those who don't know, how does that work? Oh, Tai Chi. Tai Chi is kind of a moving meditation and it's really fun. It's something I'm very passionate about. It's very relaxing. And it's also very healing. It's something that I do for about 20 minutes every day. And it's kind of a very slow series of motions. And it moves the chi through your body. And chi is kind of a bioenergy. So it's something that I do to be more well-regulated. It's different than OT, but it also does a lot for me. I find it very relaxing. And you're into swimming and Zen meditation? Yes. Yeah. I have a swing set and I go on my swing set regularly. I do a lot of rocking with my autism, but this is whole body and it seems to really help me regulate well. I'm able to keep speech a little better in stressful situations and my executive functioning tends to improve. So I've got a swing set with three different types of swings on it and that's very helpful. And I got it on the property that I live on as a reasonable accommodation. And my Zen sitting meditation, I am very grateful to belong to a Sangha and we sit in meditation once a week as a group on Zoom. Right now it's on Zoom. It used to be in person. Hopefully it will again. But I do my practice every day. I do a sit 
when I can. And the sitting meditation, kind of like the Tai Chi, it's both grounding and it's freeing. And the neat thing with the meditation is it helps to transform difficult emotions into peace. Is there anything more that you'd like to tell us? And is there any way that people can get in touch? Do you have a website or something that people can learn more about you? Let's see. So on Facebook, there is a page called Rocking the Spectrum. There's an email there. That email, I believe my support worker from the ARC will be able to access that. So if somebody wanted to connect with me, that would be a great way to do it. Patty, thank you so much for taking time to join us for a podcast. Thank you very, very much for sharing your perspective and your background. We appreciate that very, very much. And I think people are going to find this very, very instructive, especially going into the different paradigms and some of your experiences. Thank you, Dennis. I really appreciate the time and I'm very grateful for this opportunity. Thank you. I just want to remind everybody that A Presence on Your Journey is a podcast of community autism resources. You could go to our website at www.community-autism-resources.com for more information about programs and services. And you can listen to this podcast and other podcasts on the site as well. We're also heard on smart speakers and Apple devices. And our music is composed by George Winston. Barbara Domain is our executive director, and Nicholas Domain is our executive producer. And my name is Dennis Polselli. Thank you for listening.